0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk about all things big emotions, anxiety, emotion regulation. I'm in the Back to School series talking about things that might stress our kiddos out that as it relates to school, and today I'm going to be talking about school refusal, and actually there's so much to cover, I'm going to be breaking this into more than one episode, School might not be everyone's favorite place in the universe, which I don't understand. I actually really loved school when I was a kid. Um, But looking back, you know, I had some pretty fabulous teachers who really made it awesome to go to school especially in junior high elementary I don't remember too much other than my grade four teacher who was horrific um, but grade five six had the same teacher who was totally awesome so that makes a big difference which I will be talking about but for some kiddos even the thought of school is just so overwhelming and even terrifying and we've got these kiddos who've got a fear of going to school it's, it's anxiety that's school related. And that's what I want to focus on today. The school induced sort of anxiety. These kiddos might even have panic attacks, just the thought of going to school. So it could be in their sleep, on their way to school, right? Just thinking about school just sets in that anxiety. They experience significant distressing anxiety. And so trying to relieve that anxiety by avoiding school altogether. And by avoiding, they're reinforcing that anxiety because they get relief. I don't have to go. I feel better. I'm at home safe and sound exactly what our brain wants us to do right but it's just a band-aid approach that's short-lived so we see the school refusal school avoidance it's a major problem of school phobia and it's a psychiatric crisis that we need to make sure that we're addressing immediately and so that's why I wanted to focus on that right now because if you're already seeing signs that's a problem and signs now or you know later on to come sometimes over any breaks or long weekends we can start seeing this to settle in because it becomes a very slippery slope right what starts out as one day or you pick them up one afternoon a little bit early they miss here and there It literally can start turning into years of not going. And I've known kids, right, who've stopped going in elementary, who never returned at all in high school. And it was always a struggle. And then I see them when they realize, I got to go to university. I need to attend class. But they haven't had any experience of going to class. And so then that anxiety is even greater, right? The longer a kid was away from school, The more ingrained that anxiety is becoming in their head and the pattern of avoidance and absenteeism, it just becomes a huge problem. So the longer they're away, returning then starts to feel harder and harder. Even if the reason why they were going was different from anything else now, just being away starts to be harder because now I've missed all this work. I've missed out on all these important learning opportunities and I've fallen behind. That could be it. Maybe they feel disconnected from their peers, right? Am I still going to have friends? Or what are they going to think when I come back? What are they going to say, right? So they start to worry about other people. Maybe other people are going to make a big deal of them or being away or forget them completely. I actually had one girl. I thought it was going to be a success story. So they had come see me. They had already been working with somebody else, um, had gotten some success, had gotten her back into school, she hadn't been in school for quite a long time, got back into school, and everyone made a big deal out of it right? So I thought it was going to be a success story because they had a little mini party and all her friends like, oh my gosh, you're back at school. It's so awesome to see you. And they were positive, um, running up to her. Like it was a good thing. Congratulations for coming back. So welcoming, right? But she was so overwhelmed. She left early that afternoon and stopped going again and they weren't able to make any progress. And so that's why they came and saw me. So There's all sorts of reasons. Even where we think it might be a good thing, it kind of goes sideways. The big, big problem with avoidance is they never have the opportunity to learn. I can manage that anxiety of going to school. Whatever comes up that day, the next day, right? And Even in that one example, she had a momentary success of getting to school, but it was so much more overwhelming, and she wasn't prepared for that. Nobody helped her prepare for that. Like, I've got this no matter what, and looking at all the different angles of what might happen. Because remember, anxiety is the story, the belief that I can't handle it. In this case, it being school. I can't handle going to school and what people are going to do or say at their work or whatever it is. And so if they avoid, they get stuck in avoidance because they never learn that I can handle it. And for any of our kiddos who avoid school and have even stopped going altogether, the goal is to get them back into school as fast as possible where they can learn. It can be a safe place. It can be an enjoyable place. I feel connected here. I do belong here, right? But we really do need to act fast because the challenges that come with school avoidance from one afternoon, one day, two days, it starts snowballing exponentially to the point becomes, it just becomes nearly uncontrollable and everybody's at wit's end and nobody knows what to do anymore. So don't let it go for more than a day or two. Because it's just the beginning stages, and I've seen it snowball really fast from there. So there's so much that I want to cover about this topic. I do need to break it down into more than one episode. Today, I'm really focusing on the foundation of what we should know about school phobia and school refusal. And then we'll look at what to do about it for the next time. But one thing I want to set straight is, for sure, no blaming. So we got to stop that right now. It's not the parents who aren't doing enough regarding their their child's education or doing enough to get them into school or, you know, following through with their obligations, like under the Education Act, you know, making sure your kids get to school regularly on time. Scolding them is not helpful. Blaming them is not helpful. Finding them, threatening them, reporting them, all things I've heard about, not going to be helpful for the kiddo. And it's definitely not the kiddo's fault, right? We can't be blaming them. It's a real mental health challenge. It's not a form of laziness. It's not a lack of motivation. So I don't really like the term school refusal to begin with, just because it's its not like they're delinquents that simply aren't choosing not to go, right? There is school avoidance that's anxiety related, certainly i don't want to rule out certainly there's kiddos who avoid school because they're attention seeking maybe they just rather do something better like i just want to go watch the movie my daughter actually just the other day was like october 21st one i'm missing at least one class because the new arctic monkey uh album's coming out so i need to spend some time listening to arctic monkeys i'm like dude not cool like that's not a good reason to miss school So sometimes there would be something that they would rather do. Go hang with friends, right? I'm not talking about those kiddos where they would just rather be doing something, maybe disengaged. Although I would say a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about, maybe not some of the um, exposure pieces, but just engagement, connection, those are still going to be valid and important for them. But I'm really going to be focusing on the kiddos who are experiencing that severe, complex, emotional, physical symptoms of anxiety that come along with it. No, the unfortunate part is our anxious kiddos, they're just usually not getting the supports they need, and that leads to some sort of crisis, i.e. not going to school, which is why I'm so happy that you're listening so we can learn to better support these kiddos, whether you're another mental health professional, an educator, a parent. This is such a big issue, and it needs to be addressed system-wide. It's not just the parent's job, right? It's, it's, a, it's a huge thing that we need to look at. Now, I do want to say school phobia and school refusal, it's not a new phenomenon, Right, We have information about school refusal from the 1930s. It's definitely gotten worse, especially with COVID and those long breaks of kids not going. I mean, certainly it has become such a crisis that I've never seen before. Not going to school, it's a major problem, for lots of increased risk factors, you know, certainly school dropout. Already, my daughter saying the day I turn 16, I'm dropping out of school, which is just around the corner, What, Right. But uh, it it can affect long term problems too, not just the immediate dropping out of school, poor social connection, obviously low income, unemployment, getting in trouble with the law, whole host of physical mental health concerns depression anxiety all of those are directly correlated with suicide and actually suicide is the number one leading cause of death for our youth so there's a lot of risk factors involved in this it's not just about the immediacy of school not being in school I mean school is a foundation for our social well-being emotional well-being there's so much just learning expanding our brain and growing you know there's so many different things When we look at school phobia it can show up in lots of different ways and we might hear some of their worries like I suck at school like it could just be it doesn't even have to be the avoidance of school and and maybe they're still going but you're hearing these messages I suck I hate recess you know I'd rather be at home doing what I want to do it's no fair that I have to go to school all the other kids are jerks. My daughter, actually, I keep bringing it back because I am a little bit concerned, right? But my daughter, she's already counted down the days. Like we're just, she hasn't even been at school for a week yet. And she's already counted down the days. And she was very upset to learn there's 286 or something, 280 some days left until the school year is over, right? And so that's a message that I'm listening for. So some might directly articulate the fears right what if people don't like my haircut what if you forget to pick me up after school what if what if what if what if right they're voicing all the worries oftentimes a lot of these kiddos don't even say anything maybe they don't have message but they feel it physically they complain I'm too sick I'm too tired I'm too headachy right emotionally we can see the fear a lot come out but it can come out in self-deprecation can come out in irritability aggressiveness anger all of those emotions they they tend to build up and come out behaviorally so yes behaviorally avoiding school right where they don't want to go to school every day but it could be that they're still going and still show school refusal maybe they're just pleading you still get them out the door but they're pleading please don't take me i don't want to go today right? Maybe they're leaving school early. Maybe they're having trouble getting up in the morning or they're just showing late, showing up late all the time for their classes, right? <clears throat> there could be even more subtle signs. Not handing in their homework. Maybe they're refusing to do any homework or I- any in-class work at school so that they can take it home instead. I see that a lot. Maybe they're texting parents all the time. Where are you? What are you doing, right? What time are you going to be home? going on lots of bathroom breaks or lots of trips to the office with a headache or just lots of complaining about school all of those things that I've talked about if you've got a kiddo who's still going to school but maybe showing some of these signs definitely get on offense and help make school a positive place so that school avoidance doesn't settle in make sure that they've got the skills <clears throat> if they're too embarrassed to do classwork in class because they're worried somebody's going to make fun of their writing I mean we need to address those kinds of things it's all Really important to you, especially with COVID, there's been a lot more hybrid models where some kids are, you know, doing some, you know, going to class for a couple of days and and doing some work at home or just a little bit, you know, of online and both. We want to make sure that we're watching those kiddos, too. If they're wanting to do online because that works with their learning style. You know, I had a kid who did a lot of stuff in in the arts. And so he was able to do his art stuff and do things in the community, but had the flexibility of doing his work. or, Or a lot of my daughter's friends are pretty elite athletes. And so they have to go training, you know, especially in the wintertime for skiing, for example, they have to go up to the mountains all the time. And so they're missing a lot of skill or of classwork but they have a hybrid model where they can actually do their homework at any time right so that during the day they can go and do their skiing or whatever it is whatever sport they're doing but if they're wanting to do online because of anxiety I would consider getting them back into class as fast as possible so we gotta differentiate you know if they're why are they online for some kiddos the school avoidance it could happen suddenly right just overnight something happened and now they don't want to go but 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 especially if there's a fight, we, we might see that or he, they just broke up with their boyfriend. They don't want to face the outcomes, right? Or they just don't want to face whatever happened. But it can start really gradually and it can sneak up on us. And I've got so many families who ask, how did we get here, right? Like it was fine. And, and yeah, it was one day, but now all of a sudden it's been nine weeks and they haven't gone. So, you know, causes... I don't like focusing too much on causes because the brain likes to make irrational associations. I've talked a lot about this, but I do think it can be helpful to look at some of the causes here with school phobia because often there are things that we can actually do to make kids feel safe. They still need to learn the process of managing anxiety, Right. But we can use all the anxiety strategies in the world. And if they don't feel safe going to school and there's like chronic bullying or they they have a severe learning disability or something, it don't matter how much we're working on the anxiety. So we got to make sure is is the anxiety the primary thing going on? They still need to, even if it's secondary, still need to learn to manage that anxiety. But we want to make sure we're addressing any underlying things that are getting in the way of their success. So yes, we are still going to focus on the process of managing anxiety, building their skills to manage that anxiety, which I am going to get into, but there's other considerations that need to be addressed. Um, So it's important we're doing a a thorough behavioral assessment when we look at anxiety and most certainly when we look at school phobia because we need to have that understanding exactly what's going on for the kiddo to be able to create a solid return to school plan, right? If if we're creating this plan but throwing them in with a learning disability, we're not going to be addressing some of those learning gaps that are causing the anxiety in the first place, for example. There are lots of different reasons why a kiddo might avoid school. So there's typical anxiety-provoking reasons, like, you know, just avoiding negative emotions that come up. Um, something really specific could be happening, you know, if there was a bullying incident or if they're struggling with reading. Sometimes there is a very specific reason that's that's causing that anxiety. Um, if there are like I said those legitimate causes like bullying or learning challenge they have to be addressed immediately or a really mean teacher who sometimes we've got to manage you know how do we let things roll off our back but we got to see are there things actually going on for other kiddos though they might not know right some are socially anxious some might have separation anxiety some you know would just rather go with the parent to work or stay home at home stay at home with their parents instead of going to school some might worry about their grades writing a test they want to skip the day that they're writing a test maybe they want to avoid getting into trouble they feel like they're getting in trouble all the time some though are sick they worried about being sick at school like throwing up at school or having a panic attack right or something like that happening if if we've got those kiddos where they're not going to school and it's become an ongoing problem there's usually common themes that usually come up. Again, every child is different, but we can start just thinking about some of these common themes, especially for the ones who've chronically not been in school. Maybe they're escaping distressful situations like riding on the bus. Maybe that's just so distressing for them. They're trying to escape that situation or any idea of having to read in front of the class. Here in Canada, we've got the Youth Mental Health um, Canada, and they investigated school refusal and found that most of the kiddos who participated in their pretty large-scale study, they didn't like school. So they didn't like school, and there was some negative experience in school that really made it hard. Many of them feel sick. You know, That's usually a very common thing when we're looking at some of that school refusal. They feel sick whenever they need to go to school, and so it's Sunday night, right? Thinking about school the next day, or at the end of a vacation, or the morning of every day they have to go to school, those kiddos usually have pretty significant reactions having to go to school, and they tend to miss a lot of school, more than a month of school in the year. That's a lot of school. So if they feel excluded, they don't feel safe, they don't feel like they've got friends, they don't feel like they're part of a school. They're not involved in school activities or clubs. If there's no adults there that they feel like they can speak to or, or that they think that care for them or, or or support them, the more likely they are to miss longer periods of school than those who are connected, who do have friends, who feel that they're cared for, who feel that it's a safe place place and that safety and belonging those two pieces are so key 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 and we want to make sure we're focusing on those in our interventions. certainly the child skills of managing anxiety but I've created my resilience pyramid and I've talked about this before and just like Maslow's hierarchies right we, we can't work on the individual child skills of managing anxiety that's at the top of the triangle without making sure the basis of the rest of the triangle is there so safety certainly is a key you know if, if a kid's terrified of snakes you know being bit by snakes we can't work on that skill if he's constantly being thrown in a coffin with snakes I know it's totally morbid but that's just an example We can't keep throwing them back into that experience it doesn't matter how many skills you know that we give them they're still in a really unsafe terrifying situation so we just want to make sure that those pieces and safety and belonging are the key areas that we want to make sure we're focusing on because they're the biggest contributors to school phobia if they don't feel like they belong and they feel isolated from students and feeling isolated from teachers they're not going to do well socially emotionally academically and most of those kiddos they want to learn they want to participate they want to go to school they want to do well that's really important to remember and to consider they just don't feel connected So I think that that's really an important for us to think about. Does my child feel connected? Does my child feel safe? They might not be able to articulate that, but we want to start looking at those messages. Um, I just want to go through some of the really unhelpful things that have actually been done and really I've seen it and it's been done out there. We see it out there as well. Um, And even recently that only makes the situation worse and kids want to avoid using any kind of punishment. That's never helpful. I often share my story of the little mermaid just in case you've never heard it before. My story of the little mermaid is you know, she her father has banned her from going to the surface, right? Up to go with humans. And of course, she goes up to humans and one day Sebastian, I think that's her little fish friends, comes and starts talking in front of King Triton and mentions the seagull. And Triton's like, "Seagull, what are you talking about? She's been to the surface." Finds out that she's been to the surface after he's been so he goes to little the, the Little Mermaid's grotto and destroys everything, all of her possessions, essentially as a punishment, essentially as a punishment to teach you a lesson to never go back up to the surface again. Now, when we punish, we usually think, oh, daddy's right. I shouldn't have gone to the surface because Mummy died. She was killed from those barbarian humans. I should never go again, right? We think that when we punish, they're thinking about their behaviors and what they should do differently. No, that's not true ever. (laughs) That's what we think that they should be learning from punishments. But whenever we punish, kids think about us, how mean we are, how much of a jerk we are, and then they're sitting there brewing in their resentment of how awful we are. They're never thinking, oh, daddy's right. No. What did a little mermaid do? She's like, screw you, dad. I'm going to go see the sea witch and get my pair of legs permanently so I could just stay up top permanently and never see you again. That's what happens. Punishment does not work, right? So punishing them, especially with anxiety, does not work. And in the case of anxiety, punishment only makes that anxiety worse. And it can create a lot of self-shame and other self-esteem issues. And it ultimately only leads to more missed days of school, Right? And more pushback, maybe defiant behaviors and and delinquent behaviors. Those kiddos don't need more pressure. They need support. Now, a lot of kiddos who do get back to school, a lot of them, unfortunately, are expected to catch up on the work that they missed. Most of them are singled out. They're being blamed for faking it, faking being sick. You're not really sick. Just suck it up. Just do your work, right? Not letting them call home. And I get that a lot of school, like, oh, here we go, right? Um, they're just not very welcoming, not really supportive. They're not addressing their needs. Even if they're welcoming and are supportive, their needs aren't being addressed. Here's all the work that you missed, buddy. Here you go, right? Very few kiddos actually receive the so- support, any from school at all. If they get any, like nearly none get anything from school. That's where we're trying to get them back into. That's where they need the most support, but they're not getting anything, right? And there's a lot of things that schools have done to contribute to the isolation. A lot of kiddos are already feeling, calling parents to come pick up your child. So if you're a teacher, think about these things. This is actually pushing them out. Suspending a kiddo of the challenges that they're having. And remember, aggression and anger, it's a secondary emotion. I've talked a lot about this. The primary emotion behind those behaviors is fear. And so maybe we are like, you know, maybe they are tipping their desk over because they've been asked to read out loud. It's not that they're being disrespectful, disrespectful. That's the behavior. That's the symptom of trying to protect myself. And maybe they're not even maybe it's just annoying. Kate, okay, fine. Just go to the office. Kate, okay, fine. Just go call home. Get them to pick you up right? I had a little guy and I've talked about him before who's been expelled from three different schools before he was seven and was all anxiety related. A lot of these kiddos get negative feedback about their challenges and and they're even bullied, not just by other kids. Why are you being such a baby? Why are you sick all the time? But even adults, even school staff, they're criticized and publicly shamed for missing school. And a lot of them aren't getting the learning supports, the emotional supports that they need in school and, and, and definitely no support for school phobia. Now again, not about blaming teachers aren't out there to make kids miserable, although my daughter is convinced right she she came home the other day and' was like, "I swear teachers just want to torture students they want to make students hate school and it's saddening because I know no teacher wants that. I know no teacher. I do a lot of p d training and I get them to reflect what kind of teacher do you want to be? What kind of teacher do you how do you want to be remembered by?" Right. I know if you're a teacher listening to this, I know you want all of your kids to succeed and I know that you're doing your best. The reason I'm bringing this up, though, nonetheless, is as adults, we fall into these traps all the time where we are trying to teach a lesson, trying, you know, or trying to problem solve and fix things for kids. Right. And I know parents are under stress. Teachers are under stress you got a curriculum you got to follow. There's no funding for education. You know, like I know all of those kinds of things. So it's just about raising awareness. What am I doing to be able to support these? Now, as part of figuring it out, obviously, we want to turn to the expert in the area, the student, right? I don't want to get caught in the content and make this a big de- detail, a um, uh, 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 deal, sorry, de- not detail, a big deal. But we got to play detective. That's important, right? And them playing detective of what's going on. They might be able to articulate some of the things that we're trying to guess at. So when we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on for this kiddo, we need to be able to bring them involved, get them involved in this conversation. If they're like, I don't know. I don't know why I don't want to go to school again. I don't want to get caught in the on the whys." But let's start looking at different areas. Maybe it's through Socratic questioning, but maybe it's through them just collecting data, you know, through their date. I had one kiddo mention that they told their crush they had a crush on them. And the crush was like, oh, thanks. But it was kind of awkward, right? Like, wow, great. And then the kiddo who had disclosed that was terrified to go to school the next day right? So that's a very specific reason that they might be able to articulate, although they might be embarrassed to even share that. So they might keep it to themselves. But a lot of the time, kids can't really articulate what's going on for them anyways, right? They find it really hard to process everything in the moment. So I love scaling questions and breaking things down. I love a scale, you know, from one to 10. 10 is awesome. Best thing in the universe. One is totally sucky, right? So from one to 10, what would you rate your teacher? Oh, nine. Awesome. Awesome what's what makes them a 9 what's what what's your teacher doing so i'm not directly asking what's freaking you out i'm gathering information i'm asking these questions and they're talking so if they're rating their teacher a 9 super nice super caring super flexible that's probably not contributing to their anxiety okay what about some of your classmates at a 10 1 to 10 oh they're like a 4 okay Who, who's a four, like what makes it a four and not a one? So obviously there's got to be some good classmates. Tell me about the jerky classmates, right? So tell me about the good ones. Tell me about the jerky ones. And what could we do to bump this four up to a five? We're gathering information, lots of information, right? And so you can have all of those follow-up questions and you can ask about reading. Oh, that's a nine. I love reading science. Oh, that's like a two. It's so boring. It's so hard. The teacher's so mean. I don't get anything. It's going too fast. She calls on me, right? Always call me out. Gym class. Oh my gosh. It's a one. It's so overwhelming. Recess time. Oh, I love recess. So we can start scaling. We can start gathering up all of that information. And if you do have those follow-up questions, right? What are the good parts that make it a six and not a two? And what can we do to bump it up a little bit more? What can make it just a little bit better? These kinds of questions, it gets kiddos thinking in a different way. It takes the focus off the anxiety, right? Because if we're making it all about school and what's stressing you out, I mean, I've talked about in the moment, there if especially if they're feeling emotions they're going to start feeling a little bit more anxious anyways it's just going to become one big knot they can't process all of that so we're taking out the anxiety part of the conversation which is important so we're not making it bigger and so that they have the opportunity to process this information but we want to make sure we're checking in too with family things maybe it's not just about school so this is why we want to do a thorough assessment. So maybe there's some pieces at school, but, but maybe there's family things going on that makes it hard to get to school in the first place. So maybe asking scaling questions, one to 10, is it, how hard is it to leave mom? Like 10, no way. There's no way I can leave mom. One super easy. Like I've been able to leave mom since I was two years old, right? Oh, eight. Okay. So leaving mom is pretty hard. Yeah right? And so we so maybe there's some separation anxiety that needs to be addressed or the pet, right? Maybe the pet's getting old. Maybe this is the last time they're going to see their pet. They're not sure if the pet's going to still be there alive when they get home, right? Maybe somebody's sick. Maybe they're worried that mom's having fun at home, right? Who knows? There's all sorts of things that could be going on. So these types of questions can be really helpful. Now you know, again, I don't want to focus too much on cause. I do want to focus on some of the contributing and maintaining factors. That's always what we want to look at. Um, And so it's looking at you know, accommodations that are being provided? What is maintaining those anxiety? And I talk a lot about that in previous episodes. So go back and check those episodes about what maintains it, reassuring, right? Accommodating, all of those things. If we're letting kids avoid, that's certainly a huge maintaining variable. But I also want to look at you know, not just what's contributing to school phobia and school refusal, but there's things that can serve as protective factors, too, because that's going to be important to understand so we can build that into our intervention. So first, we've got to understand what the kiddos, it, their personal social emotional learning needs are. And are they being met? Because a lot of time I see kiddos with ADHD or learning disabilities that they're just not being addressed. And that is a leading contributing factor to their school refusal. I've kind of already talked about that. Now, here in Canada, the majority of kiddos demonstrating school phobia have some sort of individualized program plan. So we do see the learning challenges a big piece of that right a lot of these kiddos actually had psychoeducational assessments they're professionally diagnosed with some sort of exceptional need Um, but there were a lot of kiddos too that certainly had very evident learning needs but they weren't ever officially diagnosed never officially had that assessment so we really want to make sure we've got a firm understanding of what their needs are and making sure they're being addressed, because when they're addressed, that's a major protective factor. Obviously, right? If they're feeling successful and their learning's going great, that's going to be so important. So then we can take some of those causal risk factors that I kind of did mention, and the reason I did is we can flip them on their heads, right? So kids are more likely if we know that school phobia um, is is uh, a big problem if they're not feeling safe. Well, protective factors if they're feeling safe at school, right? If they've got an adult, a trusted adult that they feel safe that they can talk to. Obviously, the more adults we have the better. That's good. If they feel like they can belong or they belong, that they've got friends, that they're actively involved in the school community, like extracurricular clubs and things like that. If they have physical breaks throughout the day, they know they can get up and move they know that they can learn without fear of judgment or being ridiculed right um if they're able to pursue the things that interest them at school all of those things we want to make sure we're we're boosting and so that's why focusing on things like connection and belonging and that self-efficacy is going to be really important and part of the self-efficacy is can i pursue things that i'm interested in at school that's one of the things that my girls, you know, I think they loved COVID was because I would give them research topics and they could research whatever they wanted. I didn't care, but I knew through researching, they were reading, they were writing, right? They were still learning and engaging their brain, but they loved it and jumped into it because it was things that they were interested in. And so I do a lot of PD day training with teachers about how we can engage the disengaged student because more than 20% of our kiddos are actually disengaged. And those disengaged kiddos are the ones who are avoiding school whether or not it's anxiety, but there's usually some underlying anxiety. So how can we turn things around? So I'm going to leave it there for today. That's kind of the foundation before I go into treatment, which is a lot of information as well. But I just wanted you to start thinking about, and that's going to be really good if you've got a kiddo, whether you're working with them, they're in your classroom, or it's your child, Start playing detective. Start doing an assessment, trying to figure out what are all the different variables that are going on. Is there an underlying learning need? Is there an underlying bullying situation that's happening? How can we figure that out? So you're just gathering information, you're playing detective. How safe do your kiddos feel? You know, and asking questions like, if you could take two teachers from school or two adults from your school onto a stranded island you could bring your family but you had to pick two people from school who would it be and why right and you can start getting are there people in their life that they feel that they can trust and you know you can start getting those messages without directly putting them in a place where they start feeling anxious and can't process through those information's So I will leave it there for today. Thank you for joining me. Help those kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next time when I go into the treatment sort of aspects of school, absenteeism because of anxiety. Take care.